Hello everyone and welcome back to Slapcast. This is episode 9 of our coverage of the 2019-20 that's not the right season. I'm going to restart. <laughs> Podcast. This is episode 9 of our coverage of the 2020-21 season, which is currently on hold due to another international break, uh, which is not very exciting. But uh, what is exciting is that we're back with two of the three of my favorite people, which is what I said last time. Um, one of them is Reese. Hello, Reese. Hello. The other is Ethan. Hello, Ethan. Hello, Gage. How are you doing today? I'm good, and... Uh, as as you may, if you're if you can count, uh, you may notice that we're missing uh, one of our favorite sons, uh, which is Josh. He's out doing great things and and conquering the world most likely. So we wish the best to Josh. And um, I still told him I would have to make fun of him on the pod. So of course he didn't show up. Um, <laughs> no one is surprised, Josh. Uh, if you're listening to this, which you probably aren't even. <laughs> <laughs> so, fair fair play to Josh. Uh, but gentlemen, both of you have brought uh, meals to the table tonight, one of which is normal and one of which is not. Ethan has brought forward uh, mac and cheese, uh, which, mac is, cheese. which is very normal and, and a usual meal. Reese has decided and has informed us that he has a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, which he has put ruffles inside. Which is a disaster, quite frankly. It's not weird. It's a disaster. It's we. I only put enough. Okay. Here's the thing. Piling them up in there. It's like I, I get a thin layer of ruffles, right? Because I don't really want the flavor, but if the only the only flavor they have is salt, really. But I, I don't want that much. Their, their use is for the crunch. Okay, I want a crunchy bite. So I just, I like, get enough so that the sandwich is covered. And that allows some like crunchiness. I mean, I understand the sentiment, but I'm also still not having it. <laughs> I don't think it's weird. I'm not having it. Um, let us know. Tweet at us or something, and let us know if you think it's weird. Maybe we should do a poll. Um, yeah. Just say. Is I'll it clarify weird? also because because Gage called me on this. I I want crunch, but I don't want crunchy peanut butter because crunchy peanut butter is like lumpy. It is gross. But, though. Like if I have yeah. If I have the chips, it's like a flat crunch. I don't want a lumpy, bumpy crunch. I suggested that, but I felt like awful after suggesting it because crunchy peanut butter is for like the devil. I guess I'm the devil. You like crunchy yeah, peanut you butter? Are. A little bit. That's poor, sir. That's poor. That's much worse than putting ruffles on. <laughs> I on my I would sandwich. almost agree. I have I I can't quite decide what's worse, but at least crunchy peanut butter is something that's like it's intended to be consumed. I don't think ruffles inside a peanut like when when Frito Lay manufactures ruffles is that even I don't even know if that's who manufactures ruffles but they definitely aren't <laughs> thinking man I bet I bet these dudes are gonna put these chips inside of their PB and J. It's like putting fries on your burger. You just take the side and put it on your sandwich. I feel like this is like a normal sandwich thing. Uh, okay, I said this before too. Like putting fries on a burger is different because. Like the burger's already salty, and there's not any sweet flavor on the burger. So like fries is an okay thing to add on your burger, but there, there's no jelly on your burger. 
What about dipping fries in a milkshake? That's sweet and salty. Yeah. That's even sweeter than jelly. Okay, but th- – okay, I'll put it to you this way then. Would you just dip your ruffles in jelly? No. Yes, exactly. That's disgusting. It's a disgusting concept. <laughs> I don't and, think it's disgusting. I just wouldn't do it. I bet it would taste fine. Uh, no, I don't think it would. I think, I think it would taste pretty out. fine. Uh, <laughs> I don't think I would eat it and be like – I think I would eat it and be like. Yeah, I think I would exactly eat it and be like, it like. Yeah, me too. I think I think, I think you're grasping at straws. I think you are. I think, I think you're, you're underestimating uh, the power of ruffles. Okay. Oh, I'm not sure. I, I will say though the the um, the cheddar ruffles. I'm not I'm not putting them on anything, but they are like an excellent chip. They are, yeah. I've had to take a break from them, honestly, because I, I had a lot of them. They are a little like, overpowering if you eat a bunch of they them. They are, though. yeah. Yeah. And also, I feel like if I eat, if I open a bag, I have to eat the whole bag. Yeah. <laughs> it is kind of like that. It's like it's like the um the Flavor Blasted Goldfish, too. Yeah. It's very similar. Because I have to take, a, I've been petered out on those for a while, because we went so hard yeah, on them for, me too. like, I don't know, like two years almost. We went so hard on the (laughs) the flavor blasted goldfish, but I mean, yeah, there there are at least there are a a plethora of snack options for us, Uh, which is I think snack library is a crucial one for for college students, Um, yeah, or just for for human beings in general. Uh, Well, clearly you can tell that. we don't have a, a great deal to talk about because of the international break, uh, because we are talking about food. So <laughs> instead of making this food cast, we'll quickly uh, brush over, instead of Josh, uh, we'll brush over the crucial things that have happened in the international break, which is not much. Although North Macedonia have qualified for their first ever international tournament after beating Georgia 1-0 from a goal uh, from Goran Pandev, who seemingly will never retire. Um, and Scotland also qualified for their first major tournament since France 98, uh, and then, who have I forgotten? Uh, I've forgotten. Hungary. Hungary, yes, beat Iceland after a last-minute winner from, uh, Dominic Shaboshlai. Uh, just a mazy run, really, from the halfway line. It was actually kind of exciting. Um, and then was Slovakia the other team... Or no, uh, Slovakia lost to Scotland. Serbia. Serbia beat Northern Ireland. Um, I think I'm right in saying. Now I should have had this pulled up before I started spouting off. But um, No. <laughs> okay, Slovakia beat Northern Ireland. Scotland beat Serbia. So the teams that will be going to the Euros are North Macedonia, Slovakia, Scotland, and Hungary. Uh, yes, great. Glad we've got that straightened out. <laughs> Um, Well, anyway, as promised, what we are going to bring to you today is a little bit of a review of Premier League managers and kind of our thoughts on them. And we're going to rank them 1 through 20, or really 20 through 1, because we're going to go bottom to top here. Some of these, for me, are uh, a bit nuclear, I would say. I think Reese may have a couple that are incendiary as well. I haven't talked to Ethan about his, but we're going to find out shortly. Um, and of course there will be a game show style quiz as promised as well. So everyone will be geared up and prepared for that. I'm sure. 
So let's start with number 20, boys. Let's let's go to Ethan first, since I, I have the least context on you. Uh, let's hear let's hear your number 20. Well, I've picked this manager just because I haven't seen too much of him, and from what I've seen so far, I've not been too impressed. I picked Scott Parker of Fulham. I don't really know what they're uh, what the what their plan is going forward or God defending in that team, but all I know is that they've been struggling these past few games, so I don't know if we um, would fit in with the Palace. Yeah, I think um, well, also one of the barometers we're kind of using is is like. Uh, what manager, like the order of managers that would that you would like to take over at your club, um, so that changes it a little bit, I guess, from best managers, um, not not an extensive amount, but just a little bit in terms of stylistic concerns are also brought into question, rather than just pure sort of liquid success. Um, now we will start to burn the house down um, because uh, my number twenty and the last manager. I would like to take over at Spurs is one Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Um, I just don't, I think like I was thinking about this and I was thinking what, what Premier League club right now would honestly trade their manager for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Like, I, I don't know that any of them would honestly. And I think maybe some of the ones that I've got, maybe Fulham, like Ethan says, maybe, some of the other managers that are down here in the, in the bottom end, but I just don't think he has the enough tactical nows or n- any experience at the top level apart from what he's got um, at Man United. So I'm I'm just not having him honestly. <laughs> and I th- my number twenty and last person I don't want to take over Arsenal is also Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Yeah, I pretty much agree with you on everything you said, and I just think he's clueless tactically i think he is when he gets a win it is not because of him in any capacity and i think when they lose it is due to him in every capacity so yeah and and to be fair to ollie i think a large portion a lot a large portion of management is recruitment and i think a lot of the recruitment has been taken out of his hands and is sort of being made by the nebulous hierarchy at man united um, because I mean, Alex Tejas and and Edinson Cavani are not exactly awe-inspiring signings, though. The one signing that he was given early on, Van de Beek, he hasn't utilized at all. So I, I'm not sure. I I just it seems harsh to put a Man United manager at 20, but I honestly feel that's where he is in the in the Premier League at this exact moment. So he doesn't have any aspects to like his resume that look appealing to me at all. And yeah. I, there's other managers that even the ones that are down there, I have at least one one good thing to say about them, but I literally have zero. Yeah. Yeah, I me as well. Uh, so, Reese, I think we may have a similar kind of next few, but go ahead and take me to number 19. Unfortunately, I've put Roy down here, but I don't think that's that surprising because of how much slander I have given Roy. <laughs> I've been very much on the Roy out train, and uh, you know, I just don't think I don't I don't think he would improve us in any way. I think the one thing, that, the one like I said, I have like one positive for some of these managers. His would be that 
he is a very defensive and conservative coach, and we're not very good defensively right now. But I think he also, uh, his man management, I think, is pretty poor. I, I think his lineups that he puts out are very questionable, and I, I don't think his tactics utilize his players to the best of their capacity. And uh, as, you know, I really care about tactics, and I think... Uh, as far as tactic, tactics go, I think he would definitely hurt us in that sense. So I put him down in 19th. Yeah, Ethan, what what uh, what have you got in 19? Uh, I have Shulshar. I know y'all had him 20th, but uh, I've got him 19th. Um, basically, just what y'all said. He's, I mean, he doesn't really bring anything, and I think right now Man United are just going based off of talent, not their players alone. Yeah, yeah. Um... I would agree, definitely. So to kind of complete the circle, my, my number 19 is Scott Parker at Fulham. Um, I mean, I do like Scotty Parker as a, as a former Spurs player he was, and I think he's a, he's a very good championship manager. I'm just not sure he can cut it fully at the Premier League level um, because obviously some of the stuff that, they play, that Fulham played uh, last season when they got relegated... Uh, was really good stuff, and obviously it, it landed them back in the playoffs and, and back in, in the big time. And I just don't know. I think it might be similar in that recruitment is sort of taken out of his hands a little bit. He sort of has to manage what he's given, but I don't know particularly that I like the way he does that. I think he lines up in... I think... I, it's very rare that I say this, but I think Scott Parker is someone who could do with being a little bit more conservative tactically with the players that he has, because that Fulham team is not really a Premier League squad on paper, and I just feel he maybe is overestimating the ability of his players, um, which is great for the championship when, you, when you're one of the better teams in the league and you want to play that expansive style, but um, I'm just not seeing players at Fulham that are of the requisite ability to play Scotty Parker's preferred style. So I've got him at 19. And uh, number 18 I won't spend long on because uh, it is Roy uh, for me. Um, I like Roy Hodgson as a guy. I think he's a great character. I think he certainly brings lots of experience to the table. But if you look at his record, not only as Palace manager, but just he was uh, oversaw, probably other than Steve McLaren, oversaw one of the worst England the worst two tournaments from England in their like managerial history uh, in World Cup 2014 and uh, Euro 2016. And then, obviously, at Palace, he's had a mixed bag of results. I mean, he, he's he's kept them up. He's, he's, you know, made sure that they're a consolidated Premier League side, but really just fails to sort of take them to that next level, I think. And, and I've been, like Reese, I've been saying to get him out um, more often than not recently, so... Yeah, I've got Roy at 18. I've gone for Steve Bruce in 18. Um, honestly, I mean, I haven't really ever had any, any nice things to say about Steve Bruce. I think this is such a weird thing to say, but I think his biggest shortcoming is that he has no identity, which sounds really harsh, but, like, what is he known for? I can't, I can't tell you, like how many times I just forget that he exists. Uh, I think tactically he's very uh, conservative in that sense, and he kind of flies, like, he's not doing really anything progressive tactics-wise. He might even be um, hindering some of his players like we talked about on previous podcasts. So 
yeah, he's pretty low for me because of those things. Yeah, I picked uh, Slavin Vilic for ET. I just remember his time at West Ham and just um, looking back, I mean, they didn't really... It's kind of kind of what Reese said about Steve Bruce. I don't really like get what his identity is to his play style. And every time I watch West Brom now, it's kind of just like, just what is going on on the pitch right now. So kind of hard to identify, but definitely a, a, a weird manager. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And and Steve Bruce, um, for me, is one that I think the only thing on his CV in terms of like traits is not getting relegated. Because uh, yeah. as far as I know, I don't, and I'm looking now, and I don't see any relegations on his CV. Um, and he has managed quite a few clubs around the around the bottom end: Sunderland, Hull, Aston Villa. Um, Sheffield Wednesday in the championship, obviously Villa in the championship as well, and now Newcastle. Um, who, you know, to be fair to him, are a club that you might be, have pegged recently for relegation because of all the things going on behind the scenes. But he's done a decent enough job. Um, yeah, yeah, he he's done a decent enough job um, <laughs> keeping them up and keeping them consolidated. So, and the reason I'm talking about this, of course, is because I have Steve Bruce at 17. So. Yeah. I have gone for David Moyes at 17. Um, yeah, I think this one's a little bit hot just because of their recent form, but I also can't ignore... Um, I mean, it's very short amount of time that they've been, you know, having this success. And before that, they looked absolutely dog. Like, they looked so bad, and I... I'm not completely convinced how much of their recent success is due to him because tactics wise, I don't really think that's what's helping them. I think just a lot of their players are starting to gel. Um, specifically, I think Antonio is just performing out of his mind right now. And Pablo Fornals, you know, I feel like he's gotten over that transition period finally, and he's performing to the levels that we expected him to. Um, they've got some new faces around, you know, Bowen, uh, was complimented the side very well. Some other players similar in that boat, you know, Suchek. Um, but again, I don't know how much of it is due to David Moyes. So I'm sticking him, sticking him down there. Yeah, I also have David Moyes. And uh, in regards to what Reese said, I agree. But um, I feel like if you, I I think West Ham, they, we, I mean, both Palace and West Ham both have really good players. But I feel like when you look at the both teams, that uh, I think West Ham has just a bit of more quality than we do, and so I think if, if you put Moyes with a team that are with not as good many good players as um, that they he's working with now, I think he would struggle. So I, I don't think he would work well with a a team with like maybe in the like close to relegation, like a Fulham or a West Brom. I think we're going to have some debate on that one. I think you guys will be surprised where David Moyes finds himself on my list. So we'll come we'll come back to it when we get there. But um, let's move on to, to number 16. Um, Reese, I'll come to you first on this one. I put Scott Parker here um, pretty much for the same reasons that y'all talked about. But uh, I feel like, you know... I have seen some glimpses of, of what he can do that brings him a little bit higher than these than the managers before, you know? But also, uh, it's not like 
convincing enough to put me put to put him any higher. So the, I feel like for when I was making this list, um, he pretty much slot into 16th perfectly just from the other managers around him. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I went for Steve Bruce, and um, yeah, I just Newcastle are a very weird team because sometimes they'll show up and sometimes they'll just completely lose the plot. So um, he's definitely a, another weird manager, and I don't think he would do much with uh, his Palace team. Yes, my number sixteen I feel like might be a little harsh actually, but it's he was kind of just collateral of the other people that I wanted to put above him. So I've got Dean Smith from Aston Villa at sixteen, um, and and I like. I like Dean Smith in terms of the fact that he's willing to uh, not tie down his players to a very rigid tactical system. He's very much in favor of letting the creative players in his side do the expressive work for him and and kind of let them outline the way the attack is going to go. But I just think once you get up to higher levels in the Premier League, and, well, you know, I say this as Villa are (laughs) comfortably a top six side at the moment, but... I just think without a distinct attacking plan, you're going to peter out before before too long. And I do think Villa will here before too long. Obviously, I don't think this season they're in danger of relegation. As Josh would be very quick to point out, they should have gotten relegated last season. Um, so, you know, whether or not you count that as a strike against Dean Smith, I don't know. But... Um, it does. It feels a little harsh, but I think he was just kind of collateral for me, or collateral damage almost for me, in terms of where other people were were falling on the list. So, um, yeah, number fifteen. Ethan, go ahead. Yeah, I've actually went for Roy, number fifteen. Um, I honestly, I look at the managers that I've already said and Roy, and I feel like they're either on par with him or below, because I do think he brings experience, and obviously I've waxed on so many times about uh his uh tactics and his uh plans going forward like the the mcfield and uh bringing on a defender when we're down but um with our tactics that we do use that i'm not a big fan of we sit back and let the other teams attack and wait for the counter attack i hate i don't like it but sometimes it does actually work because we've gotten these good results um so far this season obviously we haven't really done that well with the tactics like that last season but this season it's been okay and so yeah i think he's more um other than the managers i've already said i think he's just a little bit better than them yeah fair play fair play i mean to be fair a lot of these down towards the bottom end are somewhat interchangeable for me i feel and roy is someone with with a great deal of experience that i i think can still do a job in the premier league just, you know, with the, the stylistic concern, especially, is what takes him down a notch for me. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, Reese. I have gone for Billich um, in 15th. You know, I think he's actually doing better than I expected him to when I first made this list. Um, but I I feel like that's mostly, you know, when I, when I see them play... Um, I don't know. I feel like there's there's some tactical structure there, and I think it's entirely personnel. Like I think he just does not have the personnel to work with currently. Which you know you could say a good manager will. Uh, Gage just said this a lot. You know, talking about making the par- some of the parts greater than the whole or whatever. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, yeah, I feel like while that is true, you know, he's also at West Brom. So I, I feel like it's very hard to judge him there because I, I do think it's entirely personnel issues because I think I think he's doing I mean they've had some somewhat decent performances and they've definitely had moments where I've seen them and I'm like, oh they look actually kinda good and then it like goes away very quickly. But um yeah, that's why he, he's a little bit higher than I might have first expected him to be. Yeah, well, I've got I've got Bilich at fifteen as well, and mostly the reason he wasn't lower. I, so I I agree with you totally on what you said about him at West Brom, because they they have looked compact defensively. Um, you know, every every once in a while they just have an individual error that will cost them, and I just think the majority of their forward players and a lot of their midfield, probably with the exception of Grady Diangana. Um, are championship-level players, I think. And so that really stunts their attack, which has been one of the biggest problems for them this season. But listen, Slavin Bilic was in charge at West Ham during their their best period in recent memory um, whenever uh, they qualified for the Europa League and whenever uh, Dimitri Payet was still firing on all cylinders. Um, that was Slavin Bilic who was in charge, and, and he did really well with them. And uh, they were a joy to watch under him that season. But then, of course, once uh, once... Piat sort of made his um, acrimonious departure, shall we say. I think things started to go downhill from there, and he showed that he may not be the best man-manager that has ever walked uh, the, the turf of the Premier League, I think. So, in terms of structuring a defense, I think he's great. Um, it's hard to judge him on... That, like Reese said, purely because of the sort of lack of Premier League quality in this West Brom side. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of my that's my overarching thoughts on on Billich. So at number fourteen, I feel like this one might be harsh as well. I've got I've gone for Sean Dyche at number fourteen, and I I want. I think Sean Dyche, in terms of his actual coaching ability and the level of detail to which his players subscribe and the philosophy there, I think is extremely high, and I think Sean Dyche is a great manager. However, I think he's so sort of tied to the identity of Burnley that I almost don't think he could get away with the not just the style, but just the sort of mentality almost that he brings to the table anywhere other than Burnley. Um, because he, he, he plays this very structured 4-4-2, and obviously they're, they're very famous for sitting in their low block in the two banks of four and um, just making, it, making themselves bastards to play against, essentially. Um, which is great if you're Burnley, I think. And, and, but for a lot of teams, it's not going to be acceptable. And and I just don't know that any other team right now has the player group that would be able to execute this correctly. Maybe Sheffield United is the only other option, which sort of goes hand-in-hand hand in, in my placement of Chris Wilder as well, as you'll see. Um, but yeah, that, that's why I've gone for Sean Dyche at 14. It feels harsh again, but that's just sort of my sentiment on him at the moment. I went for Dean Smith at 14. Um... A lot of what I said about Billich actually kind of applies here. And when I was talking about how um, he had he has issues with uh, you know personnel, because I think 
I think a lot of their, you know, issues last season could be down to that. Now I'm not trying to suggest, you know, last season would have been fixed by two or three players, but um, they have made very smart signings this this window, and they seem to have improved them a great deal. I mean, as you, as you mentioned, you know, they're very comfortable right now where they are. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, if we look back, um, Wesley, he looked okay at the beginning, but then he got injured very early on, right? Mm-hmm. So they spent the majority of their season last year without a striker. Now they have now they have Ollie Watkins, who um, obviously looks very very lethal right now, and uh, he's also you know he's he's very young, so he has a lot of room to grow as well. Um, they brought in Matty Cash in defense, who has looked very very good for them so far, um, and he's just everywhere, and. Uh, you know, they brought in Ross Barkley, who's complimenting um, Grealish very well. They're they're playing out of their minds. So I think... Can't um, believe you've not you know, said Martinez. Very... <laughs> yeah, that's a big one, too. Um, yeah, I mean, that was that was huge because he's just... He's he's the best goalkeeper in the world, essentially. Mm, but mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, No, but, you know, like, I, like I'm saying, they made some very smart signings this window, and yeah. I think... Um, they, I mean, the amount that they've improved, I think, is very telling because um, I'm not trying to suggest Dean Smith. Uh, you know, he might be – if they had had a better season last year, he might be a little higher on my list. But um, so far this season has bumped him up a lot than, you know, where I would have put him last year. Yeah, he definitely shored up his recruitment. See, I don't know, I don't know enough about the structure of Aston Villa to say whether or not he's directly in charge of recruitment. But if he is, obviously this season's a huge step up in terms of la- or compared compared to last season. Um, so yeah, I mean, I I would agree with that. I think. Yeah, I also have Dean Smith at fourteenth, and um, I won't spend too long because you have already mentioned it. But um, I think when you give him the right players, he can do a good job, like he's doing this season so far. But um, I think they can be if they had a much better manager. I feel like they can be doing so much more. Even though they're already doing a ton right now, I think their defense is good. But I feel like that's one thing they can improve on a little bit, and they would be winning more games. Yeah, that that is definitely um, an aspect that we saw from, or that we have seen from Villa at times, is their lack of defensive structure, um, which may be down to the manager, or it may be down to personnel. It's, it's hard to pinpoint, but um, yeah, Ethan, uh, take us take us forward. Yeah, so number thirteen. Um, this is a weird one because I don't, I don't really like to spend too much time uh, going in depth about rivals, but I've got Graham Potter at thirteenth because I do think he does bring some good tactics to Brighton, but um, I just think it's weird because I feel like us and Brighton are very two different teams, and so I, I, I have no idea how that would work out with us. But um, yeah, from what I've seen Brighton uh, this season and a little bit of last season, I think he's a decent manager. Yeah, yeah, he is, and he has some really interesting um, motivational tactics. I know whenever he was at Ostersunds in Sweden, um, who Arsenal played in a Europa League tie at one point, didn't they? Yeah. Yep. I think he I think made. We lost. I think he might have been manager actually. Uh, I think in the first leg we lost, and then the second leg we absolutely battered him. Yeah, I think that's or right. Not, not the leg. I yeah. can't remember if it was around the sixteen no. or nine. It might have been the group stage, but. I, I think it was round of thirty-two. I think in the Europa League, because I remember oh, okay. I remember giving you stick for it. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I think Graham Potter might have been manager of them at that point. But I I know he um he did some tra- or some interesting things there where he like um 
had his players perform like amateur theatrical uh, performances to increase confidence and like also took them out on like an expedition through the woods and stuff, um, which is some, I would say, modern day management techniques, I think. Um, back in, as Lee Dixon always mentions, anytime Graham Potter comes up, that would not have flown in his day. Um, but it is definitely an interesting, um, very progressive tactic, I would say. I don't think he's tried anything like that at Brighton, but yeah, I mean, interesting enough, I suppose. So I've got him slightly higher on my list, but not a ton higher. So Reese, <laughs> I've gone for Sean Dyche here. So I don't actually think where you had him was super harsh on him because, you know, I'm only having one spot up for you. Uh, very, very similar reasons um, for you. I think, uh, yeah, I mean, this kind of area was somewhat interchangeable, but yeah, uh, he, I don't think he'd be good for Arsenal at all <laughs> in terms of attacking-wise. And defending-wise, I think he, he is very good at creating a defensive structure, which we've talked about with a few other managers. But also, I think that is um, due in part to the identity of Burnley like you were talking about. So I pretty much completely agree with what you've said about him. Yeah, and I'm going to kind of carry over from that actually into my number 13, which also probably feels a little bit harsh, particularly giving last season a look in. I, I'm going to have Chris Wilder at number 13. And I think, you know, he's obviously very tactically innovative and, and <clears throat> we've talked ad nauseum about the overlapping center backs and the creation of overloads in the wide areas, which, by the way, is a tactic that I feel has been slightly picked up. I don't know if it's directly derivative of Chris Wilder, but it does seem that a lot more teams are playing three at the back this season and um, utilizing overloads in wide areas to create space. I don't uh, necessarily know, like I said, if that's directly due to Chris Wilder, but uh, you'd like to think he, he brought something to the table as far as how much he shocked the Premier League last season. I just also feel like he depends so much on the 100% buy-in from his players, uh, which is not something necessarily with his style you would get, particularly as you start going into the upper echelons of the Premier League, um, which obviously for the purposes of this this sort of exercise, I've kind of tailored it towards Spurs a little bit. Um, so I just feel like... He is better. I think he's absolutely a Premier League quality manager. I just think he is suited to your Sheffield United type, your Burnley type. I could absolutely see him being someone that would take over at Burnley after Sean Dyshley's. I could see that being a, a move that might happen, especially if Sheffield United were uh, to go down, which obviously there's a, a long, long time left in the season uh, to be talking like that. But uh, yeah, so I, I've gone for Chris Wilder at number 13. So my next pick is going to ruffle some feathers. So I'm going to let you guys go first. <laughs> well, I was going to say, I actually have Wilder. Well, I'll let Ethan go first. Okay. Well, I've got Wilder at 12th. Um, obviously, um, last season he did really well with that team. And um, this season it's not looking as similar as last season. But um, I think he does really gel a team um, together and they um, like can get results to do well, but their structure is very innovative, and um, I think a lot of teams are picking up on it this season, so maybe that's why they're not doing as good as they were last season, so I don't really think it would work that well with our team, but um, I think I would have to look more into it. I will say, I think their recruitment has been pretty poor overall since they got promoted, actually, 
which is yeah. kind of an interesting thing to say. But if you look at their signings, like Sander Burge is really the only one who's come in and, and, and really made an improvement to that team. Obviously, McBurney has kind of been in and out and, and contributed a little bit here and there, but he's definitely been a hit or miss type player. Rian Brewster, it's a, probably a little bit too early to say, but he hasn't quite made the difference they would like to this season. Um, Filia Gielka, <laughs> Filia Gielka, um obviously was brought in to be more of an auxiliary role, but you have to say it does seem... I don't know. I don't know. That's more of an off-the-pitch signing, I feel. Um, and Ben Osborne I've been pleasantly surprised by, but um, other than that, it's not been great, has it? So... Yeah. All right, Reese. <laughs> I I take it yours is gonna yours is gonna be controversial. I have gone with Jose Mourinho. Oh, that's a disaster. <laughs> okay, hear me out though. I have I can back it up. Yeah. Okay? okay. Mainly because of the criteria of this is who I would want at my club. Yeah. Yeah. I'm. I don't want to suggest in any way that I think he's a bad manager because I don't think he is, and I think I'd be stupid to call him a bad manager. I just think he is the complete opposite of the Arsenal identity, and I don't want him anywhere near our club. <laughs> and that's that was the main reason for me putting him here. I yeah, guess. is that just in terms of identity, in terms of tactics, he's the complete opposite of you know what we've come to expect. So yeah, that's why that's why I put him in twelve. And that is fair. And to be honest, if if we had done this list like, um while he was still manager of Man United, or even probably, like, four months into his Spurs tenure, I probably would have had him somewhere similar. I just think... um, I've been really impressed with particularly the man management side of him while he's been at Spurs, uh, and his ability to get players onside with his um, intelligent (laughs) C-word mentality, um, as, as seen in the documentary. And perhaps I'm being influenced a little bit by the absolute propaganda that he puts out of himself, um, <laughs> which is possible. But of course, Spurs are second in the table at the moment, so something has to be said of, of the mentality shift at the club, which I think has been something that's been needed for a long, long old time. Um, and and I also think he's pretty anti the Spurs mentality, as I've talked about ad nauseum, but... Uh, my favorite thing about football is winning matches, and that at this exact moment is what he's doing. So I, you know, I can't say say too much in the in the adverse, uh, but but I'll I'll come on to him later on. Now this next one for me, I think, is going to be unexpected for some. I've gone for Frank Lampard at number twelve, um, which many could say is harsh, but I'm I'm not really having his ability to coach a defense. Uh, and of course, there it, there's a lot to be said that the personnel is a problem for him in defense. But recruitment is two-thirds of management, I would say. And I, I think his sort of desire to focus on recruiting these attacking players, there's a gnat on my computer and it's making me annoyed, um, his desire to focus on recruiting these all-star attacking players is like baffling to me, especially considering the like how well his young crop did last season. Like that the lone army, as I've dubbed them, after they returned and and they played. I mean, they got top four, which no one expected them to get top four last season. I mean, I think I said they'd finish eighth or something. So I, I don't understand why he's had this insistence to bring in the likes of Timo Werner and 
and Kai Havertz. Of course, they are excellent players, but it just seems counterproductive to his own management goals. Like, it's just a strange one for me. I feel like their their recruitment could have been far better in so many areas, and, and they would have been, you know, mu- much improved. Um, I don't want to. I don't want to spoil my list, but I'll just let you know you're not alone. He's only a few places higher. From yeah. Me, so. I I don't know. I see, and it, it, this is a, a difficult one, of course, because he he hasn't been in the league that long. But also, that's one of the reasons why I have him so low. I feel is because he doesn't have any experience to bring to the table. Um. So. Yeah, but I'm I'm sure we'll waffle on more about him when we get to uh, wherever you guys have got him. Uh, number eleven, uh, Ethan. All right. So I've gone for uh, Sean Dyche, number 11th. Um, I think that he, I think that because his structure with Burnley's defense is really good, even though it obviously hasn't um, been too predominant this season. Um, I think he can strengthen our defense a lot, um, and we're more of a defensive team as well. And um, I really like what they do with their set pieces. I feel like we're a pretty creative team, and I think that if we had a manager like Dyche, I feel like he can um, implement those uh, set pieces, and I feel like we would score a lot from set pieces. Would you be, let me ask you this, would you be, uh, say Burnley go down this season and Roy gets sacked or retires or something, would you take Sean Dyche as the replacement? Um, I would like someone better, but I think he is, I think he's, I'm not, I wouldn't be upset with that just because I think that he can bring a team together and obviously like the points i just made he can improve us where i think we can be improved i do think palace have a squad that would be willing to buy into his philosophy though i think by and large a lot of those players are willing to do the do the hard graft um so i, I feel like it could be a match that would work actually but though i do yeah, understand been, wanting a more progressive type manager yeah he's been, he's definitely been brought up a few times and we have thought about um new management he's been one of the front runners so we'll see yeah, very good. I have gone with Graham Potter. I have as well, yeah. I I don't think you're giving him enough credit, Ethan, because I do think tactical tactically-wise, he has improved that Brighton side way, like, I mean, on paper, you know, they're, they turn out some performances that on paper shouldn't happen. Like, they just, I mean, even if they're losing, at least they're playing good football. A lot of the time, yeah, I, I do think that he's a progressive manager and he's doing good things there. I think once again he may be being hindered by personnel, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't want to say he would. He's not my. He's obviously not my first choice because he's my number eleven choice. <laughs> but um, you know, I, I do think he he's uh, proven to have some uh, some some technical ability there. Yeah, I'm, I'm very much with you, I think. He he has vastly improved this Brighton side, as you say, and I feel like the the high-pressing style and, and the building out from the back is very in vogue right now, so he's very much... A lot of the, like, nerd community uh, is very very up on, on Graham Potter. Uh, and I am as well. I just think potentially... He has room to grow, I just think, potentially at this exact moment... Brighton are still in that weird stage where 
they'll turn up and, and absolutely play one of the big boys off the park, but then they'll they'll have a stinker like the nil-nil against Burnley that we just witnessed. Um, which, of course, Brighton were the better side in that game, but it is just one of those things like from time to time they just lose their focus in the final third, I feel like. And, and I don't know whether that's down to the manager or the personnel like you say, but at the moment... Well, they've got Denny Welbeck up front. So. They have got... I mean, Neil Mopé's a good option, I feel. Like, I know he's injured yeah. at the moment, but... I don't know. I just feel even with even with the likes of um, a better striker, at times they just look a bit flaccid. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, uh, brilliant stuff, gentlemen. Well, now, as I'm sure you've all uh, been made aware, is going to be our little intermission <clears throat> from our manager discussion. But actually, it's not, because our quiz today is manager-themed. So we've got wow. we've got a game show quiz uh, based on managers. I've got ten questions for you, gentlemen. It is going to be the standard game show slapcast rules, where you each get one guess at a time. If you both get it, or once you guess, you're frozen out, and if you both get it wrong, you will receive a hint, uh, and then you know we'll just carry on sort of like that. And obviously, whoever is or whoever has tallied up the most points at the end of the day is going to be declared the winner. I'm getting a piece of paper available. Um, going to write on the back of my accounting notes. Sounds great. Um, <laughs> uh, let's see. Are you ready, gentlemen? Yes. A little bit. A little bit. That's not the confidence we like. Man, I'm tired. School is a bitch. It is, it is. <laughs> it is. I mean, that is very, very fair play. Um, but we'll see how it goes. <clears throat> okay. Question one. Who is the only American born manager that has taken charge of a Premier League club? Wagner. It's, it's a very good guess, but he's not American born. He's an American international, but he's German born. Oh, I thought he was born American. Uh, <laughs> I don't know, man. It is no recent. Clue. It is pretty recent. I'm going to say a name, and I might sound stupid, but I have a reason. Is it Frank DeBoer? <laughs> it's not. He's Dutch. And is it because he managed at Atlanta uh, United? Partially. I think he was also being considered to manage uh, the national team or something. Yeah. Okay, so this, this manager uh, was manager at Swansea for a very short time. Ooh. Swansea. For only a period of about three months before he was sacked. Oh no. He was poor. I will never I will never get it then. Uh, uh, I, I think you will. Um man. Forgot Swansea were a team. <laughs> I suppose you can pass if you genuinely have no idea. And I'm going to pass this hint. round. I'm going to want one more hint. Yeah, me too. His son was a mainstay in the U.S. national team for the last decade. Bradley. It is. It is Bob Bradley. Point for Ethan. Yes, Bob Bradley, manager of Swansea for about three months. He was diabolical. Uh, he I was forgot. very poor. I didn't know his dad was a manager. He managed oh, no. Swansea even, yeah. He's been at LAFC uh, since 2017. Weirdly, 
okay, so he was man- he was manager of the United States national team for five years. Then he took over at Egypt. Then he managed a club in Norway called Stabik. <laughs> and then he managed Le Havre in the France the French second division. And then I don't know why or how Swansea plucked him out, uh, but they did. Actually, am I right in saying Michael Bradley had a stint in Swansea? Is that why? I think he might have. Uh, I'm looking. He played in the Prem, but I don't know if it was at Swansea. No, yeah, he was. His only Premier League stint was three games with Aston Villa. <clears throat> so, I don't know why I had some vague memory of him having like, uh, yeah, some weird stint at Swansea and thinking that was part of the reason why Michael Bradley was there. I mean, uh, why Bob Bradley was there. Anyway, so point to Ethan. Lots of ground to go, though. Do not worry. Question number two. Who is the only non-European manager with a Premier League title to his name? Um, hmm. Non-European. <clears throat> oh, uh, Jose Mourinho. Does he have a Premier League title? It's not, mate. He's Portuguese. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) He does. He has two Premier League titles, both with Chelsea. I'm a fool. (laughs) Premier League manager that's won a title that's not European? Yeah, there's only one. I don't even know any non-European managers. It's it's, It's a rather tough one, for sure. Pass. Okay, this manager is Chilean. What? If that doesn't help, we can. There will be a Pellegrini. It is Manuel Pellegrini. He's Chilean. Oh my god! I was gonna guess him until you said that, and I was like, because I thought he was Argentinian. He's Chilean. He is. I Chilean. thought he was Argentinian, and I was in, I was gonna guess him this round until you said that, and I was like, oh, never mind. Ethan's pulled it out of the bag from under Reese's nose. <laughs> it was funny. I, I I immediately thought of uh, their Italian manager for some reason, and then I was like, oh, Mancini. Yeah, I, like, I always get him mixed that? up. See, because yeah, I always think Pellegrini was the one who was manager during the Aguero season, but it wasn't. It was Mancini that was manager yeah. during the Aguero season. So yeah, they both kind of got like the. I'm so upset. They're both like Bond villain type characters. And Pellegrini yeah. uh, was uh, Pellegrini was manager during the 2013-14 season, by the way. Um, so, yeah, okay. It's 2-0 to Ethan, but again, lots of ground to make up for Reese. This one might be a little tougher because it's from before our era, but it is a somewhat well-known fact. Who's the only manager to have taken charge of both Arsenal and Spurs in the Premier League era? A manager? Wait, this is a manager. Um. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm forgetting our managers' names now, and I saw I saw all of their busts at the. Uh, oh, you did. <laughs> <laughs> all of their uh, sculptures. Uh. I don't know. I'm gonna pass and wait for it. See if see if something jogs my memory. I don't know any Spurs Arsenal. Okay, 
let's see. So I was going to give a hint about the years, but I don't necessarily know that that would be helpful. Um, I'm going to look and see where else he went in his career and see if, oh my goodness, he has a very common name, so there's apparently a billion people that have this name. Uh, okay, here we go. Well, he finished, this is an interesting one. He finished his playing career at a club called California Surf, <laughs> which is very, um, very interesting. Uh, so he, he was also a legend as an Arsenal player. He's Scottish, and his other clubs in, included Millwall and Leeds as a manager. Spurs was actually his last job before he retired. I'm embarrassed. I'm embarrassed I don't know this. If we don't if we don't have any guesses after this, I'll move on. I'll give you the answer and we'll we'll move on to the next question, but I don't know. None from Ethan. Is his name something Grant? I I cannot I cannot say. I'm gonna go with Grant as my guess. <laughs> You're not far. It's George Graham. Dang it! I I knew it was a gray yeah, sound. You were close, yeah. George Graham, George Graham. So no points on the board for that one. Bit of a tougher question, but I figured I'd throw it in. Okay. Question four, much more recent. Uh, last season, in fact. Who was the first manager sacked after the start of the 2019-20 Premier League season? So not preseason, but actually after the game started. Uh, oh my god, I'm forgetting his name, but I know the answer. <laughs> um. Oh my gosh, I'm forgetting his name. <laughs> I literally know the club and everything. I'm just, I'm. Oh my gosh, it's gonna eat me. It's gonna eat me alive. <laughs> I'm gonna cry. I'm gonna cry. Well, Ethan looks like he's not having a whole ton more success. I literally know who it is. He looks very. I know. He looks very ponderous, does Ethan? I I think I know the club too. I just don't know the guy's name. Do you want to have a Do you want to have a crack? Someone. No, I'll pass. I don't know the name. Okay, the the this manager is currently the manager of Valencia. Don't know if that helps. I know who it is. I just can't think of his name. <laughs> I'm, trying to, I'm trying to dig deep into the Ethan. Yeah, me too. He hasn't been a manager at Valencia for long. Valencia. Ethan Memory Bank. Come on. Frick me. He was sacked after only six games. I know who we're When his club about. was bottom don't... with only one point. I, I can't think of his name. I see his face. Sanchez Flores? Nope, that was his successor. Uh, I knew it was Watford. Reese is not having it? Man. No. So I'm going to expect full name on this one, no last names, because my oh. next hint for you is his initials, which is J.G., Jorge Garcia. It's not Jorge Garcia. 
Is it Jesus Garcia? <laughs> it's not. Um, I'm not sure I can give him any more hits than that, so I think we're going to call it a draw. It's Javi Gracia. Javi Gracia. Yeah. That's not even who I was thinking of. Who no, are I'm you? Just embarrassed. I don't know who you. <laughs> I was thinking of Everton guy. Oh, Everton Marco guy. Silva. No, he was let go before. Uh, yeah, Marco Silva. Two. That was two seasons ago. Oh yeah. my god, that was in the I was wrong season. Of, <laughs> I was thinking of Kike San. Kike Sanchez was the guy I was thinking about, but once you said his, once I got that wrong, I was like, oh, it's that guy. I for, I forgot. Jorge he Garcia was, like, was a pretty close guess, but yeah. like it sounds similar, you know. But yeah, okay, so it's still two 0 to Ethan. I'm embarrassed. So the next the, the next question is a numerical answer. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give the you guys are both going to give me an answer and whoever's closest is going to get the point. If you <clears throat> draw as in if you're the same distance from the number, we're just going to say no points. Um so the question is if I can find the question the question is, how many current Premier League managers have won the Champions League as a manager? Current? Current. Uh, I'm going with two. I will say four. It is three, so it's a draw. <laughs> <laughs> so here three actually gonna be my other guess. Here I was here, gonna say three. Here's my uh here's my uh 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 solution to give you a point. Whoever can name two first gets the point. Go. Shit, mate. I've just realized I've actually gotta give this to Ethan because I've forgotten a manager like a numpties. So it is four. The answer is actually four. <laughs> Ethan said two first anyway, so I'm not too aggrieved. Um, I've forgotten Jurgen Klopp. <laughs> so the answer is actually four. Because, I know. Because the answer I is... I forgot about Klopp too. In my mind, I was like, uh, Pep and Jose, that's it. Yeah, no, it's Pep, Jose, Klopp, and Carlo Ancelotti. So, oh, yeah. Yeah, four, four is the correct answer. So Ethan... With a commanding 3-0 lead with four questions to go, Reese, you're going to need to turn it around rather quickly, sir. So, which active Premier League manager has managed the most Premier League matches? Roy, isn't it? It's not Roy. Ooh, I have time to have a little bit of time to collect myself here. <laughs> um, Roy interestingly hasn't actually been a Premier League manager as much as you would think. I was surprised when I looked at his resume. Jose Mourinho. It is not Jose Mourinho. So we're we're moving on. I'm going to give you this manager's nationality as the hint. He's Scottish. Rogers. It's not Brendan Rogers. He's also <gasps> Nor he's also Northern Irish. <laughs> I'm, a Muppet. I'm trying to remember who's Scottish now. Um. Oh, I know it. Is Sean Dyche Scottish? Scottish? He's, he's not. He's English. Well, that's my, also, that my guess. Also, a lot of his um, Premier League matches were... Well, a lot of his matches in charge of Burnley were in the championship. This manager 
I think Ethan does know it, but the next hint is going to be he he's most renowned for his stint at Everton. Moyes. It is David Moyes. It is David he's Moyes. Scottish. He is Scottish. And uh, with that, I do believe... I mathematically lose. Ethan has clinched the quiz. Congrats to Ethan. Um, we are going to continue to move on. Reese, you can make some type of uh, amends for yourself. So, <clears throat> question number eight. What other Premier League club did Claudio Ranieri manage after winning the title with Leicester? Fulham. It is Fulham. And it's starting to become a little bit embarrassing for Reese. I've been embarrassed. I've given up. It's 5 0. <laughs> I've been embarrassed since the beginning. Now, question number nine. Which, this is different question from the David Moyes question. Which current Premier League manager has the longest tenure at his current club? Sean Dyche. This is Sean Dyche, yes. Reese has not been skunked. <laughs> you do have a point on the board. <laughs> I had to think about that one for a second. Uh, look at all the I already guessed them, so he was fresh in my mind. Question number nine. What was Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's first Premier League managerial role? Uh, uh, Premier League? Premier League. Man United? It is not Man United. He had a Premier League job before he managed Man United. Do I have to say the team, or do I have to say like what he was? Well, he was the manager. He was the manager. <laughs> oh, I, oh, I thought I thought you were asking like his role as in the Premier League. No, no, no. Was he was he, he was a full full blown manager at okay. this club, which you have to name. Yes. Okay. I didn't. I didn't know. No, just... <laughs> uh, I'll say. I don't know. Sunderland? It's not Sunderland. So your hint is going to be he was there for four months in 2014 where he was relegated. His cl The club that he managed has since been back in the Premier League. Cardiff. It is oh, Cardiff. I was about to say that. I, I, I knew he was that. there, but I didn't realize. I thought it was uh, sooner than 2014, so I thought it was when he was in the championship or something. No, it was 2014. I was um, about that. Yeah, well done. It is Cardiff. And finally, we have another numerical question. So same rules apply. How many current Premier League managers are European? Uh, I'm going to go with... Nineteen. It is nineteen. It is exactly nineteen. What a guess that is, son. Um, do you know? Just out of curiosity, do you know the one that isn't? Bielsa. It is Bielsa. Yeah. It is Bielsa. Now, uh, I've got a tiebreaker question, but it is rather difficult, so I'll throw it your way. Um, just you know, out of respect, I suppose. But I'll give you the answer before too long. Um. Which current Premier League manager earned a Champions League winner's medal in 2004 at Porto under Jose Mourinho? Current, ma current manager? Yeah, current manager. He was on the bench as a substitute goalkeeper when Porto won the Premier League. I mean, the what? The Champions League. 
I didn't know there was any managers who were goalkeepers. There is Nuno? one. It is Nuno. Yes, great shot. Yeah, Nuno was on the bench um, when Jose That's won the prem with with Porto. Uh, yeah, I had a feeling he was a goalkeeper. He was. He, he doesn't really look like a goalkeeper though, does he? No, I feel like he, he's a defender. Yeah, he looks a bit too like stocky and short. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> he's got the pullback like. Got the Timmy Howard cut though. He does. That's yeah. true. That is true. So. We can officially declare Ethan as the winner uh, by a score. I just of... realized. Sorry, <laughs> I have my list of managers for this ranking, and I wasn't looking at them. So I've just been like <laughs> trying to pull names out of my. I mind didn't even think about time. that for like the one the one where I was talking about like uh, who all is European. Like, yeah, I could have just counted them. Yeah, but well, I didn't. I just want to clarify. I, I don't. I think it's pretty obvious considering I lost like five to three or something. Yeah, you did or lose six to three. It was five. I mean, if you count the tiebreaker, then six three. Yeah, but if you don't, it was five three. Either way, Ethan has been de- declared uh, the victor of the quiz. Congratulations to Ethan. Apparently, your tiredness wasn't that severe because you mopped the floor. Um, it's the it's the underdog approach. Ah, uh, yeah, you were getting in his head early. Hey, I got three. I got three. You you made it respectable. And if you hadn't forgotten, if you hadn't forgotten the manager, okay, on that one question. Okay, but we Ethan Ethan did get the, the on my end. We said it at the same time. Okay, but VAR <laughs> says Ethan. Ethan, I I heard Ethan say it first. So <clears throat> right, I suppose we shall now move away from the quiz. Uh. Yeah, we'll move away from the quiz, <laughs> and we'll go to our number ten ranked uh, manager, which I will go to uh, recently crowned quiz champion Ethan to get us to kick us off. I don't even know if I want to say this because I don't know if it's nuclear or not. Okay, I I'm only saying this because I don't think he'd, I feel like he'd be a really weird manager with our team because I feel like the team he manages would work obviously better with them than he does us. I've gone for Bielsa. Bielsa. Oh, I so he's not. You're not far from where I've got him. To be fair, you're very far from where I've got him. <laughs> yeah, I just I feel like his team, the team he has now, is definitely a lot suited to his style. I feel like if you try to do that with Palace, it would just be a sinking ship. But I think he is very sound tactically in can get the best out of players so it might work it might not obviously we probably won't find out i kind of feel like he's the exact manager y'all should be looking for i don't know because he's progressive and he cares about attacking football and that's you know everything that i've criticized roy for i don't know i just i just don't agree and he absolutely has turned his team like that that team is greater than the sum of its parts so it is but also leads are awful defensively like they are shocking and i think obviously a lot of it bielsa's like philosophy is basically just insane gegen pressing to run the other team into the ground but i just i I, i'm with ethan a little bit i I don't think it it translates well to a lot of clubs and also if you look at at his managerial history the last Three jobs, if you exclude Leeds, have all kind of been failures, I think. Because at Marseille, he was a, 
they they didn't do nearly as well as they should have. Lazio was a disaster, and Lille almost like it was so bad at Lille that he almost got them relegated and lost his like credibility as one of the greatest managers on the planet. Which is another interesting thing, by the way, because all these managers praise him, but he hasn't actually done that much in terms of winning things. And I suppose you could say like he birthed managers like his philosophy birthed managers like Pochettino and Pep. They're both like students of Bielsa, but yeah, I'm not sure. I don't know. Reese, who, who have you got a ten or, or do he, you have a defense? I, I have a question. Has he managed like any super clubs besides like Lazio? He's not, so I'll I'll read you through his like, career trajectory. Um he started at Newell's Old Boys, then he moved to Atlas, which is in uh, Mexico. Then he moved to Club America, which is also in Mexico. Then Velez Sarsfield, which is in Argentina. Then Espanol. Then he was the Argentine national manager. Then he was the Chilean national manager. Then he was at Bilbao, Marseille, Lazio, Lille, and now Leeds. So, I would say, aside from Lazio and Argentina manager, most of these jobs are project-oriented and not silverware-oriented. True. As kind of a rebuttal to what you were saying. But it is interesting that no over a twenty thir, over a thirty year managerial career actually no over a forty year managerial career so he started at Newell's Old Boys as a member of well okay fine straight managerial thirty year career um, no big club has ever approached him and I think maybe the reason for that is because he wants to micromanage every single thing that happens at the club uh, which has been seen at Leeds especially and I think is one of the reasons why he failed at Lille and Lazio. Um, which I just don't think works with the structure of 99% of big clubs, maybe all. So, but obviously tactically and in terms of on the pitch, he's a great manager, but for me, I'm just not sure. So yeah, Reese, who have you got at 10? Uh, I hinted at it earlier, so I won't spend too much time on it, but I've got Lampard at 10th, um, yeah. Okay. For pretty much the same reasons you you said earlier, I I put him a little bit higher, but I mean not much. Um, but yeah, I've just been, you know, he, he's had a lot of money to spend. So at that point, it's like, oh well, how much is him and how much is the money? But then also, like you said, he did well with the young guys. So it's like, oh well, you overperformed there. That's good signs. And then he decides to stop playing them and instead buy an entirely new team, except for the one area that needs to improve, which I think is a little bit. Um, a little sus, <laughs> so I'm not I'm not sold on him either. Yeah, yeah. No, I've got I've got one that I think will be controversial at number ten, and that is David Moyes. And the yeah, I think that is I think that's bad. I know I th- I th- it it seems dross, but I so <clears throat> I I think David Moyes has had a a really bad go of things i think and i know i said also that he would be the first manager to be sacked this season along with you but hear me out for a second so obviously he was manager at everton for 11 seasons and they were they were really an an admirable unit under him then he was kind of the unfortunate soul that had to take the poison chalice that was united after ferguson and obviously it was a disaster but i think it would have been for anyone then after that, he moved to Real Sociedad, which, granted, is probably not a smart career choice, but may have been the only thing on the table. Um, and it was a disaster. Fair enough. Then he moved to Sunderland, um, where he got relegated 
which, you know, also, fair enough, he didn't do, you know, supremely well, but Sunderland have, as has been documented literally in the documentary, um, have had a lot of structural problems and, and ownership problems at the club. And his first stand at West Ham, he came in and met expectations. He kept them up, and that was what they needed of him. And then, granted, the second stint is also kind of a poison chalice, I feel. And now, this season, he's it's been strange, because West Ham are a team on paper that you would think should be a lot better than they are, because they have players like Yarmol- like Dynamos, like Yarmolenko. They had Felipe Anderson. Obviously, he's out on loan at Porto now. But they have the likes of those players who should be big, dynamic players going forward. And he he's decided to go with players that will work in his system, like a converted winger in Antonio, um, Pablo Fornals, and a player they signed from Hull in Jarrett Bowen. Uh, so I don't know. I just think I think there is a good manager in David Moyes still. I just think he he's taken on a series of poison chalices after he left Everton. And I think now maybe West Ham's brief period of success maybe i'm looking at it in a bit of a rose-tinted way but i just feel like his recent period of success at west ham has shown that there is still a good manager there so uh, rather understandably i can see why you guys have got david Moyes as low as he is but i don't know and you can't really shake a stick at someone who's got over 500 premier league games and experience um which he does so yeah i mean that's kind of why i've got him at 10 so I won't spend too much time on my number nine because I literally just waxed Rhapsodic about him. I've got Bielsa at nine. So Ethan, you know, I'm not too, too, too much um, more up on him than you are. So yeah, I'll move on from that quickly though. I've gone for Chris Wilder at number nine. Fair play. Yeah. Um, basically when I was looking at this, my criteria was like progressive manager, tactic oriented, um, you know, has can improve a defense, basically. And I think right now, I think this is mainly just, uh, you know, the second season syndrome from promoted teams that stay up, you know? Yeah. But I'm primarily basing this on last season because um, he very, I mean, his, his tactics were what carried the team. That and the players just working really hard, which obviously I think you mentioned that um, it'll be hard to get players to buy into that philosophy. But it, it's a similar philosophy to what Arteta is doing right now, where he basically is requiring everyone to give 100% or you're out of the club, uh, case in point, Mesodozel. Mm-hmm. So I think he could actually be... Um, I think he could actually do okay at Arsenal um, because he is a little more progressive tactics-wise and... We're also we we briefly we're we're starting to move back to the back four, but we briefly kind of copied their tactics with the uh, back five and overloading players um, to create space. Now we didn't do it with our center backs, but yeah. um, you know we we kind of adopted that in a sense. So well, I mean, uh, you have played players like I, Kieran I, Tierney. That's why at I put him at nine, but I also yeah, that's true. Um, so it's like I understand putting him lower, but that's why that's why I put him at nine. Yeah. No. I mean, honestly, there's there's a lot of good managers in the Premier League, so it, it's it's hard to kind of to pick an order, especially with these that are kind of so close together. So, um, Ethan, did you go? F- oh, did you go for number nine? Not yet. Okay. Um, my nine and eight are pretty interchangeable. I think the same about them. Um, I'll explain why I have 
one higher than the other. But number nine, I've got Lampard. Um, obviously, he's doing off and on with Chelsea recently, and he's still a, a young manager, but um, I think he does bring a little bit of uh, talent with his tactics. And uh, he is really good at recruiting, and I think that's something to be uh, like to make notice of. It sounds like, I, based on my educated guess of who your number eight is, I think we might have the same person. Um, because I've got Mikel Arteta at number eight. Um, with an asterisk. Beca- <laughs> with an asterisk, though. Because I, I, I do feel like it's it's very difficult to judge him on this Arsenal side with as little time as we've seen from him. So, obviously, he has some huge positives, such as studying under Pep <laughs> and mm-hmm. being a young progressive coach and um, you know being familiar with the Arsenal club and playing with some of the players even I do have a slight concern about uh, his ability to as and I've mentioned this before in terms of um, like criteria for managing a big club I do think he at this exact moment lacks the ability to create a good attacking structure and I think the that is evidenced by the failings of Lacazette, which I think are partially due to the player, but I think are also partially due to the role he's being asked to do. Um, and I I I've just not been convinced by his attacking sh- like lineups and structures so far. Um, such decisions as playing Willian as a false nine, um, selecting Enketia over either Lacazette or Aubameyang at center striker purely because of his pressing ability which is great because I understand that Arteta wants that pressing mentality and wants that to be the identity of the club but it's a bit like cutting off your nose to spite your face because if you've got one of the leagues arguably one of the top three or four depending on where you put Aguero right now in strikers in the league and he hasn't got a game at center forward that does just raise some questions for me um so like I said, Arteta at eight, but with an asterisk because we know so little about him at this stage. I feel. I like. I understand why, because I also think he's very situational. Like I wouldn't say that he is the kind of manager that either girls team need right now. Um, but also, I will say, you know, I think the William Charleston was bad, but it hasn't reappeared True. since then, which is good. Um, in terms of playing Aubameyang at wing, as much as I've complained about it. Um, you have to ask, you know, what is his other alternatives? Because the other alternatives would be Pepe there, but he's not a left winger. So, so the preference is to either start him on the right side or to keep him on the bench as a sub. And then the other options are both uh, 19 and 18 years old, which as much as I've been impressed by Sokka and Martinelli, it is, you know, there there are things that you sacrifice when you play such a young player that potentially could be made up by playing a bombing in that position, which I am very torn up about it, and I don't know which I agree with, but I could see that as a justification for keeping a bombing there. There is a weird oversight, I feel like, that nobody seems to be talking about, though. Willian played left wing for a... Or, well, I suppose he played more right wing, but he did play on either side for Chelsea for a significant stints of his Chelsea career. I suppose is, is the concern just his age, that he won't be able to do it? at the highest level anymore, or is he just more of an auxiliary attacking player, or what? Um, I think 
from what I've seen, Arteta likes to have one of the wings um, have a player who can cut in and shoot. In this case, it's Aubameyang. And the other wing have someone who can cross in the ball. In this case, it's Willian because he's yeah. right-footed. Um, now things get tricky, and I think that's also might be a reason why Pepe isn't starting because he is left-footed. So when both him and Aubameyang are, are playing wing, um, essentially Lacazette doesn't get any service unless it's from both their weak foots. Um, so I think that's part of it because what I've what I've generally seen is is that kind of you know. I'll let one of my wingers cut in. The other one needs to focus on trying to service the ball, essentially. So I think that's kind of what it is. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. And I should, like I said, I, I was like from day one of when Emery, when things started to go bad for Emery, I was like the main. I believe I told you to get Mikel Arteta tattooed on your taint or something like that. Like <laughs> that. That's I. I was like such a proponent of Arsenal getting Arteta and I still am a proponent of them backing Arteta I think he is a great manager and in time will become one of the top managers in the league I just think at this moment he has a lot to learn still and of course Arsenal's squad currently is depleted and nowhere near where he would probably want it to be so that's also a concern as well so yeah Ethan have you got some some I am I right in saying Arteta was at eight I don't want to steal your time too much yeah, he's at eight for me because, like, like I said with Lampard, um, he's young and he's still figuring things out. But um, one thing that made him up, or put him above Lampard is that he has worked with a world class manager in uh, Pep Guardiola. So um, I do believe he'll be a great manager in time. But right now, he's just figuring things out. Yeah, fair play, fair play indeed. Uh, how about number seven, Ethan? I've got uh, Julie. Uh... <laughs> how about number eight, Reese? I got Ancelotti at eighth, okay. um, which may be a little bit lower than I might put him later on in the season, but it's purely because of uh, it's just kind of early days to judge. And I know he's got a long career to judge from, but um, you know, in terms of Premier League, uh, I've been impressed with his time at Everton, and I've also thought some of it was very disappointing. So I don't have a lot to go with, but um, I still thought he deserved to be in the top ten for sure. So. Uh, how about number seven, Ethan? <laughs> uh, I'm going for Klopp. No, I'm just playing. Uh, <laughs> I've gone for uh, Jose, because obviously, and uh, I think he is a great manager. Obviously, he's had his ups and downs, but um, I do think he has what it takes to. Because um, I don't has he. What are some other Premier League teams he's managed? Has he managed anyone that's usually finished like in the bottom? Chelsea. Half? Oh, bottom half. Uh, no, so he had well, two he stints at Chelsea. Almost bottom half with Chelsea. No, that wasn't Mourinho. Oh, it wasn't. No, but he finished tenth with them one time. Oh, that I thought. Oh, I don't know who it was. Let me see. Um, he had two stints at Chelsea. Yeah, that's right. It was Gus Hiddink. Um. Yeah, but yeah. Yeah, but I think he would. I think he would do a great job with a team that's like that like stays around kind of like the 10th to 12th area i feel like he could and obviously with jose you have to make back him a lot with money which would be hard at palace but i think if he does have the right players i feel like he can take a team like palace very far and they have and we have yeah i would say spurs i don't know that spurs have really backed him with an enormous amount of money though i mean we've just done some smart business and and he's had to work with what he has 
at the exact moment, but um, <laughs> I may not be the best judge of Jose as a manager at the moment because I'm so aboard the Jose Express right now, but we'll, we'll come on to my thoughts of, of him later. Um, not too much later. Don't worry. I'm not that insane, but um, yeah. I have a potentially nuclear choice for number seven. I don't know. I'll just, I've got Pep seventh. Um, I'm not far. Yeah, I mean, I think he's a great manager. I think his specifically attacking manager, <laughs> his attacking uh, tactics and stuff is very good. But also, I don't know, you know, they, they, they just kind of, they press a lot, which is like, it's a good tactic to be able to do and do well. But I'm kind of in the in the state of mind currently that they just kind of cross the ball a lot, and it works because they have good crossers. But um, <laughs> that's not something that's sustainable. You know, you need to have <laughs> other means of uh, yeah, yeah. scoring and stuff. Um, and defensively, they're just really bad. <laughs> yeah, and we've talked about that a lot on here. And I think specifically that is not something that I want at Arsenal because we are already defensively bad. Uh, and it's been improving, but I don't think he would improve it at all. And also, we would not be able to back him with money. We would not. Which we have yet so, to see him do anything at a club that he doesn't have that. Yeah, so. that's what I'm saying. That's that's. It's like I had to put him up high because it's Pep. Yeah. But I could yeah. not put him any higher than seventh because, um, yeah, we just wouldn't we 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 wouldn't be able to provide the funds he needs, and I don't think he would improve us at all defensively, which is what we need. Yeah. Yeah, so I my seventh is um, Carlo Ancelotti. I I would pretty much just echo exactly what Reese said. Really, my my one point to add on Ancelotti is that he's kind of unique in the Premier League in that he is a manager who doesn't have a set philosophy. He sort of builds the philosophy based on the players he has. So like, he doesn't impose his philosophy on a group of players. He allows the group of players to dictate his philosophy. And I feel like that's a positive, but it can also sometimes be a negative um, because like at certain clubs, like let's say Ancelotti had been, had taken over at Spurs instead of Mourinho. Like, I don't know what that group of players, like, what are they? You know, I don't like, there, there's a lot of, of teams that I feel like on paper, you, it doesn't just jump out immediately what you can do with that team. And now granted, Obviously, I feel like that may be why Ancelotti struggled a little bit last season. And now since acquiring a new midfield, it has gotten better. But still, I don't know. I mean, obviously, it's hard to argue with a, a Champions League winner and someone who's got so many trophies throughout Europe or all across Europe in his career and someone who had a decent amount of success when he was at Chelsea uh, a few years, almost a decade ago now. Um but yeah, for me, that's just a concern. His his lack of a distinct philosophy. I feel, I, I like to have a direction, um, when I'm considering the manager of my club, you know. And I just sometimes feel that Ancelotti maybe doesn't have one. So. And um, uh, sorry, Ethan, I can't remember. Have you gone for seven? Yes, I do. Okay. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. So my six is Pep Reese. Um echoing exactly what you said essentially i i just think and yeah. it spurs the, i mean you know through the lens of spurs he would never get the backing that he's gotten at city like so uh, yeah that's pretty much it defense through possession is fine but when it 
for the thirty percent of the time that you don't have the ball, you need to have a plan B, and I, I he doesn't. And I think that's why you see him lose to teams like Norwich or Newcastle last season, or, or uh, did they did Wolves. they lose to someone questionable? Yeah, Wolves. Did, this season, I don't I don't know if they've lost, but they drew with West Ham and drew with, um, crap, Leeds. Um, so, yeah, Ethan, how about you for six? Uh, so I've Pep. Yeah, fair. Because like you said, he um, yeah, he, he he does need a lot when you're uh, hiring him and uh. And uh, his 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 for or tactics are very weird because like obviously they do go all out when they're going forward, but like they don't really have to worry so much. He just hopes that they don't have to worry too much about defense, and that's why they've uh, lost a few games last season. Yeah, sorry, I was just thinking about when Reese and I were talking about this before. <laughs> I said I had some nuclear ones. He was like, "You probably have Pep twentieth, eh?" Like, <laughs> Come on. Give me some credit. I like to shit on him, but I'm not you, that insane. You joker. You joker. Nah, we got a comedian funny, over here. We got a funny guy. <laughs> yeah, so. I have gone for uh, Brendan Rogers in, uh, okay. in sixth. Um, yeah, I mean, I've been I've been impressed, and re- I mean, obviously he's managed other clubs than Leicester, but specifically looking at a Leicester uh, lens, I've been very impressed with what he's done, and I think he's also suffered a lot from injuries, but also there has been some. It's hard to say underachievement because they were overachieving. But, you know, like, take a look at the end of last season. They were overachieving, and then it was the worst time for them to fall off. And they did. And um, To be fair, half their squad was injured. But Yeah, that's what I'm saying, is they, they had a lot of injuries. But, um, yeah, I've been, I've been very impressed with them. I also think that Leicester just also has very good recruitment. And they've always had very good recruitment. Yeah, yeah. And so I think that's part of the reason why he is having some of his success there because, you know, they just are constantly bringing in very good, very smart signings. But, um, yeah, I think, he'd, I think he'd do a good job at Arsenal. So. Yeah, fair play. Uh, carry us over to number five. Uh, I've gone with Nuno, fifth. Um, obviously, he was being his name was being tossed around when we were looking for a uh, Emery replacement, um, and maybe even a Arsene Wenger replacement. I can't really remember, but uh, yeah, he's done a very good job with Wolves. Um, I also think he's had a lot of backing there. Obviously, they signed um, a bunch of players when they first got up, but also you know there are very clearly players that he wants to sign. <laughs> Uh, considering they're all Portuguese <laughs> yeah. uh, for the most part. Um, but he does have a very clear vision of what he wants. Um, tactically, they have an identity, you know. Sometimes it doesn't always work, but he is at least, like, sticking with one idea. I'm like you, Gage, where I, I very much like that. I like a manager to have a main philosophy that they follow because mm-hmm. um, it's just, uh, I, I don't know, I, I feel like it's easier to... I don't even know, I don't even know why. I just think it's better. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's better. But, um, yeah, I think he would do a really good job at Arsenal. And, um, yeah, this top this top five for me was, like, a few of these were pretty close. But it, it, there's just a lot of good managers, like you said. So this was as high as he was getting. Yeah. Yeah, so my, my number five, um, just missing out on the Champions League of managers, I suppose, is um, Jose Mourinho, the special one himself. Uh, and sort of again this is difficult for me to judge because i'm looking through 
a Spurs lens for one thing. And as against this appointment as I was, the the thing that he was brought in to do at Spurs was to change the mentality and to win trophies. And so far he's done one of the two. And so far we're on track to do the second one this season. At least it looks likely that we'll win something at least. Um, even if it's just the League Cup, you know, it looks likely that we are going to win something this season. Uh, and I'm willing to pay the price of watching absolute shit on the pitch if it means we win matches. Because like I said earlier, winning matches is what I love doing as a Spurs fan. And <clears throat> Jose is just someone who I think brings, I mean, he's a born winner. That's the phrase that everyone always tosses around about him is that he's a natural winner. And that no matter what, um, you know, he's going to get you trophies, which, you know, fingers crossed, um, for both our sake and his that he does. Um, but not only that though, I mean, I have been impressed with some of his tactical nows, and I think something that he brings that a lot of managers are scared to do is when Jose wins a big game, he's not afraid to change the team afterwards to suit the next opponent. And I think that's something that a lot of the inexperienced managers like Arteta, like Lampard, like Solskjaer have all struggled from is after winning a big game, they keep the team the same, even if it's not necessarily to the same tactical standard with regards to the opponents. And I think Jose has shown, um, I suppose, the balls that it takes to change a winning team for the better. Um, like after we after we smashed United, I think in our next league game, there were like five changes. So <laughs> you, you two both look concerned and confused. What's going on? I don't know. On? I saw Ethan. Ethan looked like he was listening to something, so I was wondering if there was sound, but I didn't hear <laughs> I see. Uh, is there an explanation, sir? <laughs> oh, I just I heard something. Oh, I see. Oh, I was concerned. I see. So yeah, again, maybe maybe I'm being a bit like rose tinted on that, but I just I mean, I don't know. What's football if you can't be right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think if I if I wasn't looking at this from an Arsenal lens, he'd be much higher than he is. Yeah, yeah. but he he is just. I mean, I said it before, but you know, I mean, he was practically. I mean, Arsene Wenger didn't like him at all. <laughs> and they were very, like, butting heads all the time. And yeah. I don't want to be, like... I mean, Arsene Wenger was here for so long, and as much as a disappointing end to his tenure that he had, you know, um, it'd be almost disrespectful to bring in Jose, you know? It's like, kinda, <laughs> yeah. It's almost... It's like we just can't. We got to look somewhere else. So that's, that's the only reason I have him so low. Yeah. Well, it is worth mentioning. Now, I know this is going to sound like I'm being a, a Spurs dickhead, but Jose Mourinho has the exact same number of Premier League titles as Arsene Wenger, and Jose has managed in the league for a lot less years. So, I'm just saying. That's true, but nobody has as many gold uh, gold trophies as Arsene Wenger. Okay, well, this is true. This is true. And, like, come on, I'm not meaning to suggest that... <laughs> He also, he also, uh, as much as I complained about it, I mean, I wasn't, I, I was very much at the tail end of Arsene Wenger's career. Yeah. But, yeah. and I, and I complained about it at the time and now I look stupid because we're <laughs> craving for it. The fact that Arsene Wenger stayed in the top four for as long as he did is, is literally It is insane. Because with the Premier League as competitive as it is, we were very fortunate as a team to be able to complain about that. 
I would implore because, I mean, he was you to go in the top four for like twenty years in a row. Yeah, I, I would implore you to go look at the Arsenal squad from like two thousand eleven. It is dog shit. Like it is yeah. literally and he's, dog and he's shit. And he stayed in the top four. four. Yeah, so. I, by, I wish I could complain about that. By no means am I am I trying to suggest anything derogatory about Arsene Wenger, um, but and just a bit of banter. Just a bit of banter, mate. Um, Ethan had the popcorn ready. He did have the popcorn out, and also I think how, he, what did he win? About fifty billion FA Cups. Um, yeah. Like may, literally maybe ten, in his time at Arsenal. Then yeah, or something around there. I'm frantically scrolling through to see if I can find it, but. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven FA Cups, yeah. So, as well as a Japanese Super Cup in 1996. Very nice. <laughs> wow. um, yeah. So, okay, Ethan. <laughs> oh my God. Wrap up number five, please. My, Take us away. Click Get, on my feed there with the popcorn. Get us out of here. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I've gone for Hassan Hoodle, number five. And um, I think he does really, or he really works well with that Southampton team. Um definitely makes them a lot better and brings out the best of them. Um, I know that their defense can be very on and off, so that's one thing I'm concerned about, but um, I feel like he does, he has improved a lot of their defense, um, so it's more of the less just like having a probably not the best game with, uh, or being out tactic, tactically outplayed by the other manager. But um, yeah, he's definitely high on the list because the way he's made that team so much better. Yeah. So, on to the the pantheon, the Mount Rushmore of Premier League managers uh, for us, which all look a little bit different. Um, so, I'm going to start with Reese. Who's your first member of the Premier League Mount Rushmore? My Mount Rushmore, uh, number four, goes to Marcelo Bielsa. Oh, man. I think, I think it's purely through an Arsenal lens. I think... As far as my criteria goes, he's he fits them all. He knows what he's doing tactically. He's a very progressive manager. I, I know you talked about defense being a shortcoming, but I also I don't know. I don't know. I think the I think the press would suit us. Okay, I think the press would suit us. Yeah. Um, I'm just saying, all made so, to one of the names that you haven't said yet, which I think is ridiculous. But we'll get onto it. Are you talking about Arteta? Yes. We'll get on to it. You're going to be upset. We'll get on to it. I know you didn't put him in number one. We'll I get didn't on. put him in okay, number okay. one. Okay, okay. We'll get on to it. But... Yeah, that's pretty much all I have to say about Bielsa. I think the only reason he is as high as he is is because of what Arsenal is looking for currently in managers. And um, yeah, I think he could do a good job here. And I think his philosophies could fit well with the team. Ethan. I've got uh, my, myself number four no. <laughs> um, no I've gone for Nuna number four um, I think he really does well with the Wolves team I think he really brings um, the team chemistry together and obviously he's pl- uh, put a team together based on what he wanted and I think they really work well together so definitely think he could do the same anywhere else he goes yeah I've got Nuna at four as well um, I think as long as you're okay with your dra- your squad being the same as the Portuguese national team, I think his recruitment is is top top notch. 
Um, most of that comes with his connection to the like underground network of agents that come out of Portugal. Uh, but of course, that's not necessarily a bad thing if you win football matches. Um, and Wolves are a team that have been pumped full of foreign investment that have kind of done things the right way, though. Like, I, I don't hate them for it nearly as much as I do the likes of City and PSG. Because they, they focus more on... Like, where was... Who who was Nuno? Where where did he come from before managing Wolves? Like, let me, let me see. I think he was um, in Spain, right? He was Porto manager for a year, but before that he was at Valencia. So, yeah. Um... Like, he, he wasn't a, he's not one of those sort of recognized names that would have been, like, a massive coup for Wolves to get, you know? And and I just think, like, they, they focus on developing people, bringing in people that can develop well at the club. And one of those is Nuno, but also Nuno plays a part in bringing in the players, um, all these young Portuguese players and, and the like that can develop under him so i you know I, I really like this system and i also really think um he's he's got this really interesting dichotomy of systems where he flops between the 5-2-3 and the 3-4-3 three, three, uh which i think are the or sorry the 5-3-2 five, 5-3-2 three, two, five, three, two, and 3-4-3 three, three, uh which i think are both really they're really different systems and i think wolves really benefit from having such two such like contrasting options that they consistently work on and that's something that i really like um, from from Nuno, so yeah, good stuff. Reese has an evil little bastard smirk on his face. Um, who's at number three, Reese? <laughs> I have Hassan Hoodle at number three. <laughs> I have the stupidest look on my face of all time. <laughs> I'm not gonna put you on blast yet, but we'll get there. <laughs> Um, I don't think Hassan Hudo at three is a bad pick. And I don't, that's not what Gage is mad about either. He's mad about Arteta because uh, cat's out of the bag. I said he's not number one, so that leaves him at number two. We'll get onto it later. But uh, um, yeah, Hassan Hudo. I've been on board the Hassan Hudo Express ever since they turned it around. Since the uh, absolute thrashing the they had at Leicester. Hell yeah. Um, yeah, because he's he's instilled this identity into them, and he's got them playing really good football ever since then. So. Um, it's very progressive football too, so I, I think in terms of in terms of my criteria that I mentioned, he checks all the boxes and he's very high high up on my list. Yeah, very nice. Ethan, who have you gone for? I've got uh, Ancelotti at number three, and I am um, my reasoning is I kind of like what Gage said. He kind of wherever he goes, he kind of just like he doesn't bring his uh, his like tactics with him. He kind of forms it around the players, and I think that could. That's something that we could really benefit from because the past few managers we've had, it's been identity tactics. That is very true. Like with uh, Allardyce and Pardue and Roy, obviously, and uh, even DeBoer for like the four games he managed. <laughs> and so I feel like if we created our own identity, um, other than what we've established that it's Zaha FC, and actually develop something useful, I feel like you could, uh, I feel like Ancelotti would be a great manager to do that. Yeah, that's actually a really astute point. Um, yeah, I mean, he could he could kind of take Palace and take the players that that are there and morph it into an identity that could exist, you know, for past his tenure even. So mm-hmm. I think I think that's actually a very astute pick. So my number three uh, is Brendan Rodgers, uh, who we've mentioned a few times. 
um, well, obviously twice up to this point, um, <laughs> and uh, he should have won the league with Liverpool in 2014. If it weren't for Slippy G, uh, he would have, <laughs> and for, um, what do they call it, Christanbul? Um, yeah. Yeah. So if it weren't for those two events, I, I think he would have won the league. Um, and after that, he kind of had a hard time. I mean, he he went to Swansea and had a rough a rough tenure there. Obviously, at Celtic, um, he won about six billion t- trophies, but um, you kind of have to take it with a grain of salt a little bit. Um, he has the secret weapon of Colo Torre as his assistant manager, um, <laughs> who's come with him everywhere. And you know, you have to you have to say. Um, makes him a, a great a great manager. I mean, it's a great combo. He compliments him really well. Um, I think he adds more of that defensive work to Leicester, um, and Rodgers is more capable of taking care of the attacking side of things, um, which is what he did at Liverpool. And, and defense, obviously, for so long was Liverpool's biggest problem, um, even, on, even in that season under Rodgers. And um, I've just been really, really impressed. I think it's it's gotten to the point where Leicester, like, be- I feel like because they won the league, people don't bat as much of an eye at seeing them finish fifth last season. But, a, like, Leicester winning the league is such an anomaly that you almost have to, like, <laughs> this, is, this sounds terrible and I don't mean it in the way that, like, I just mean you almost have to pretend it didn't happen when you evaluate them as a club. Like, because it was so one in a million... And because of that, I feel like people take for granted a little bit the job that Rodgers has done at Leicester. And I'm, I'm going to include Josh in that because Josh was a little bit pissy last season at the end of um, when things were going sour, as you would be, of course. But I just think like finishing fifth with Leicester is an absolute achievement. Um, and I just really like the vision that he's got. And, and like Reese said, their recruitment is really remarkable. Um, and for, for great deals too. it. They, they, they pay great prices on great players. So yeah, overall, just really impressed by Rogers. Drop your hydrogen bomb bombs away. Here we so go. I've, I've got Arteta at number two. <laughs> let me, let me explain. Yeah, yeah. I think I got a convincing argument because basically what I've been saying is that I've had this criteria that I was going through. And also, we've all been looking through the lenses of our own clubs, yeah. right? So from an Arsenal standpoint, when we hired him, we needed somebody who was ready to prepared to stick around for a big project because we needed massive rebuilding. We needed somebody who uh, understood the values of the club that are important because, to, I mean, normally that's not an issue. And like you said, winning games is what is most important. But to, to a team like Arsenal where we've just – you know, gotten rid of. I, I'm gonna just pretend that Emery didn't happen. We've just gotten rid of a manager of you know 22 or 23 years. Um, there is a set identity that is kind of the standard. You know that that needs to be somewhat adhered to because it's what they're it's what the fans are used to, right? Um, you need somebody who's progressive, which normally comes with younger managers. Not always, but typically in younger managers, you can find some progressive tactics, and. I think Arteta, out of all of the other options aside from my number one, beats everybody else on on those criteria. And so I think in terms of what Arsenal currently needs in a manager, he is the perfect choice. And I mean, I'm personally not surprised that I found him this high because when Wenger was sacked, not even when Emery was sacked, 
when Wenger was sacked, I wanted Arteta. That is Arteta true. Arteta was my number one pick out of <laughs> out of all the other managers available, even just because in terms of what we needed, he he fits the bill, and so that's that's why he made it this high up for me. And I think for any other team, he wouldn't be this high up, but because it's Arsenal, um, he 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 can climb the ranks of it. Yeah. Okay. I mean, to be fair, like. I, I am giving you an undue amount of stick. Like, obviously, I said before how much I liked the appointment of Arteta for Arsenal. I'm just not necessarily having that he would be better at what you're saying than the likes of Nuno or Brendan Rodgers or Hasenhutl or even Pep, honestly. I mean, because he, he did sort of study under Pep, really. Um, so it's, you know, I... For me, it's just the lack of experience that's the killer, um, and I appreciate everything you're saying. It's just for me, even if even if I tried to look through an Arsenal lens, um, I think I would still have him lower. But I mean, you know, what's football if you can't? That's what I said earlier, right? So, you know, res- I have respect. Do I- you think the other managers? I think Pep. I think Pep would be a yes for me. But the other managers that you listed just now, do you think they would have? I won't even look at Community Shield, but do you think they would have won an FA Cup with us in their first season? Uh, I don't know, to be honest. I mean, it's it's such like a a crapshoot competition almost. Like I, I, okay, so I mean, Pep, I would say obviously yes, because like you say, because he y'all had to go through City to get there. Who else? Who else did y'all play before that? Did y'all play anyone like massive? Um, no, it was, gosh, uh, didn't we play Liverpool right before that? Or was that not uh, a I mean, I know y'all played Liverpool this season in the Carabao Cup. Let me, I'm going to look. FA, uh, I'm going to say Arsenal. No, I don't think, I, th- I don't think it was. So we had Chelsea and we had City and then we had oh, a few Chelsea. other Premier League yeah, okay. clubs. Uh, we had a few other Premier League clubs, but none, no like top, top six or anything. But I think out of the teams that made it that far, I think we had the Oh, well, okay. Yeah, okay. Yes. So um, y'all's path to the final was Leeds, Bournemouth, Portsmouth, Sheffield United, um, Man City, and then Chelsea. So I think we had the most Premier League clubs to play, even though they weren't, you know, the highest quality teams. Which is, I mean, nothing to bat an eye at, though. I, I would say I think probably I would... I would back... Well, I mean, you know that I did not back Arteta to win that trophy. Um, yeah. So I, I feel like I would have backed Hasenhutl or Rogers or Nuno as much as I would back Arteta to win that trophy. Because the City... this It's two one-off games, really. Um, which, I mean, Nuno beat City twice last season. So... True. You know, I... And I... They... I have... They... Chelsea's a bit of a bogey team for them, but... Um, I mean, still, I... Final answer, I would say Nuno would have won it. Rogers and Hasenhutl wouldn't have. That's my final answer. But yeah. Which I mean, it doesn't necessarily tell anything. But also, you know, out of the managers that you listed, the only ones that basically you think could have achieved the same level of success that Arteta did in their first season would be Pep, which is like, okay, Man City. Yeah. And Nuno, which was the other person we were considering appointing. So True. I I think Arteta is a fairly decent pick. But I also, I think for my own, I this is such a tricky one because if I were Arsenal, 
this is kind of goes back to when I was joking with you in uh, Tennessee about how I said the FA Cup didn't matter, which obviously I that's not true. But I think yeah. from an Arsenal perspective, I almost feel like the FA Cup is a little bit old hat. Like, I think I would be more concerned about fixing the Premier League performances and returning your status to top four there than I would be about yeah. winning the FA Cup. Obviously, it's a nice bonus. But I think the other managers maybe, like Hasenhutl and um, Nuno and Rodgers all, I think would be more well-equipped to finish higher, certainly than eighth last season, than Arteta was. For my From my perspective, anyway. And granted... That's because Arteta himself is a project on top of Arteta's pro- Ar- Arteta's arsenal being a project. Um, yeah. So yeah, I mean it's a complex equation, um, but I would I would stick with my decision, though I re- appreciate your um, logic in the decision making. So cheers, <laughs> uh, Ethan. Who's your number two, sir? I've got Rodgers. Um, I'm really impressed with what, with what he's done at Leicester. Um, obviously, he did well at Celtic, but obviously, like you said, you can't take that with too much um, gusto. Um, but yeah, he. I think he really does get the best out of his players, um, like I've said with the past few managers that I've said. And um, I think that's one thing that I would really have a manager try and do at Palace. Because we have, obviously, we have Salha, and I feel like he's got a lot of potential still. And he's showing it this season. And then obviously we've got young players like uh, Ezzy and um, I know Meyer's pretty uh, hadn't really seen much game time recently, but I feel like he could still uh, he still has some potential there. So I feel like Rodgers would be a decent manager to try and do that. Yeah, fair play. Uh, well, I don't think it'll shock anyone to hear that my number two is Ralph Hasenhutl. Um And a couple of things went into this decision because I was thinking the other day, like, after Jose leaves Spurs, like who would be my next pick for the Spurs job? And I, so my answer, my preferred replacement to Pochettino was Nagelsmann. Mm-hmm. But I think seeing Hasenhutl evolve, I think Hasenhutl would honestly be my pick to replace Jose at the end of his tenure. I'm not saying now, but just. When the time comes that Jose leaves, I think Hasenhutl at this exact moment would be my number one pick to replace him. Um, I'm a huge fan of the Red Bull machine, uh, which goes against everything I stand for. But it's a lot like what I talked about with Wolves in that, yes, they are a representation of the corporatization of football and they're pumped full of... Well, I guess technically it's not foreign money because Red Bull's a German company, but... um, they're pumped full of like corporate money. I'll say. I'll say. Mm-hmm. They are another team that does things right. Like they don't go out and spend obscene money on players. They develop them. Like Timo Werner was a nobody before he came to Leipzig, and then he's moving for ridiculous fees to to Chelsea. Or, or um, you know, they've got some really great players coming through uh, right now. The likes of of Yusuf Poulsen, who's long been linked away, or Marcel Sabitzer, or Conrad Leimer, who I think is a great. A uh, great defensive midfielder, someone that I would actually love uh, to to sign for Spurs. Maybe not now that we have Hoiberg, but anyway, that tangent aside, I think the Red Bull identity is one that I subscribe to um, because their last two managers have been Hasenhutl and Nagelsmann, and I think it's no coincidence that those are my two like go-to guys in terms of who I would like to progress 
Spurs forward. Um, and I just think, like, in terms of his ability to improve players, he's one of he's shown to be one of the best in the Premier League. Uh, which is obviously one of my biggest complaints about Pep is that he he has yet, as far as I know, to improve a defender. Maybe Kyle Walker's the only um, example of him improving a defender. But Hasenhutl has taken... I mean, Romeu was a player that his Southampton career was dead. And we've talked... You know, we've waxed lyrical about him in this season. He's been fantastic. Um, and Ward-Prowse has, has been forced to do a lot more um, in terms of defensive responsibilities. And Josh was saying the other day after he, you know, fo- did a little focus watch on him that, he, that he's been very impressed um, with, with Ward-Prowse's defensive abilities. Che Adams... Best- is, Sorry, I was going to say yeah. Vestergaard is a new player. Vestergaard is absolutely a new player. And and Southampton are showing that that you can you can do two things that aren't mutually exclusive, which is gig and press and also not hold a high line. Which that combination is why they're doing so well this season because we've talked about the fact that high lines are being exposed this season. Um the likes of Liverpool and United particularly are getting absolutely put to the sword because of their high lines. And Hasenhutl's showing that you can actually do a mid-block and still gag and press and win the ball back and have flowing, nice flowing football um, without sacrificing your defensive integrity. And that's something that I really, really like in a manager. Um, and on top of that, like his man management has been very good. I think, um, you know, as much as I've cracked on about Hoiberg this season. I think, you know, there was a little there was a lot of tension um between Hoiberg and Southampton because he wanted to, he made it very public that he wanted to leave and he was stripped of the captaincy and you know, he had there was a potential for him to turn into a bad character in that dressing room, but Hasenhutl managed him well. He continued to play him and use him to develop other players in the squad before then saying, "Okay, you know, out the door you go." and getting a really good deal basically getting three million and Kyle Walker Peters who's been outstanding for that deal um which you know that is just great management if you ask me so I'm very much on the Hasenhutl Express as as we've coined uh, the term now I don't know why uh us liking managers is about us being on trains but it is <laughs> I feel like um what I'm about to say may be due in part as well to Pochettino but I feel like there is a very strong link currently between Southampton and y'all. Yeah. And uh, I, I feel like the switch would be fairly uh, seamless. I, I definitely would say I think they are the team that are most similar to y'all in the league. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I would agree with that, actually. And stuff. So, I, yeah, I feel like the, the transition there could be very good. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, because of all those things and the and the criteria that we were looking at it from our the lenses of our own clubs, I mean, if Hasenhutl's literally my guy to replace um, Mourinho, then it, it only makes sense that he would have to be in the top two. And the only reason he's not number one is because, <laughs> um, I mean, it's no secret who we've all got um, the most suave, cool, likable, unbelievable manager <laughs> in the world right now, um, in Jurgen Klopp. Is is all of our number one? Oh, what? <laughs> um, Wait, what? <laughs> I I just like I I want to hate him so bad, but I can't. Like, yeah, I I love the guy. I do he's too. So I mean, he's funny. Right? He's funny. He's so yeah. funny, and he's so fun to watch. Yeah. Um. 
I mean, this is all on top of him already being a great manager, but the personality that he has is just excellent. Yeah, yeah. he brings a lot to the team, and uh, he definitely gels the team chemistry, and I think that's partly because of just how great of a personality he is. I mean, you want to you want to talk about improving players, Bobby Firmino, like, is Klopp's guy, and he turned into like the. I used the... to crap on him all the I time. I know, like. <laughs> I, I mean, I still, I still kind of say, you know, that they should be looking towards another, another step forward. Yeah. But I've also, I mean, we've all talked about how, I mean, he, his role is so niche, but he does it so well. Yeah, yeah. Or, or like Andy Robertson, who's getting relegated with Hull one season, and then he signs for Liverpool, and everyone's like, what? Like, and then <laughs> now he's the best left back in the world by some distance. And I mean, like, it's just. Or Wijnaldum, who got relegated with Newcastle, and he's in, um, he's in the team almost every week. Like, this is this is the way to do smart business for Liverpool. And you you yeah. can't say, of course, they spent a re- obscene amount of money on the likes of Allison and Van Dyke, but that was covered pretty much single handedly by the Coutinho sale, which yeah. has proven to be a masterstroke, by the way. Like, I know he he, funnily enough, scored against Barcelona, but. He's been, by and large, awful since he left Liverpool. Um, and on top of that, the business, some of the business that they've done, which I understand isn't completely down to Klopp, but like selling the likes of Dom Solanke, Rian Brewster, um, <laughs> Jordan I for criminal. eight <laughs> figures, that is robbery. Like, Rian Brewster went for like 30 million. I know. It's obscene. And I don't know if he's played a game for them in the Prem. I don't. I th- maybe like a substitute appearance. Like Probably. he he played what twenty games at Swansea, and they're getting thirty million for him. It's insanity. It's criminal. And Jordan Ibe, who is no longer he's not a professional footballer at this exact moment. Like, it's just it's mind boggling. Okay, Dom Solanke has come good a little bit in recent days, but not worth the thirty three million that they paid for him. I mean. Okay, really, maybe it's just Bournemouth being bad at recruitment. Yeah, um, maybe. But, I mean, fair play to Liverpool. Like, you know, yeah, I... I'm gonna, sorry. No, I... No, yo, go ahead. I've, I was going to say, I've been impressed with, like, bringing in Salah and Sadio Mane. Because, like, yeah. obviously Mane, Mane is, was good at Southampton, but, like, he went from, like, a decent Premier League player to, like, one of the best. Yeah. And and we thought Salah was done because obviously he had his tenure at the Italian clubs and at Chelsea, but like he became a new player under Klopp, honestly. Yeah, I mean I don't need much uh, reason outside of the things we've already mentioned to put him at number one. Obviously his like reputation speaks for itself. But even when I even when I like observe my criteria, even when I look at what Arsenal needs, you know, I think the the recent rebuild that Klopp has you know, undergone with Liverpool over the past few years is the most similar, you know, restructure that, that there is, you know, in recent times to what Arsenal is currently going under. Like it's very similar in nature, you know, going from a top four team kind of falling out, even similar personnel, you know, they had a strong attack, but they were missing one or two players, i.e., you know, Salah, um, even Mane, you know, they had a, they had an okay midfield, but, you know, they bring in one strong midfielder. Um, that's Wijnaldum for them. That's Thomas Party currently for us. They have that 
you know, weird captain who isn't, you know, as good as he might be, but might be, might, uh, he plays a very specific role, you know, in Jordan Henderson. Obviously, he's not captain for us anymore, but I think, I, don't, I also don't think he's as good as Jordan Henderson, but I would, you know, equate Jaka to that role, you know, mm. of just kind of a vocal leader who plays a specific role. And then there's the defense that just needs massive restructure. Yeah. And then they, they just bring in Van Dyke. Obviously, we haven't gotten there yet, but I, I do think that they are the most similar to us in that sense that we we should model our restructure. I was gonna say, yeah, them. that's like the that's like the the um, the paragon of rebuilding is is what Liverpool yeah. did. Honestly, I was just going through their starting eleven. Like, I, there's not a player in that starting eleven that you can't definitively or like that you can definitively say Klopp didn't make better. Like, everyone yeah. in that starting 11 has been drastically improved by Klopp being the manager. Even someone like Divock Origi, who was completely out of the picture. Like, he comes in and he scored yeah. in a Champions League final. Like, it, you know, it's just, like, that doesn't happen. <laughs> you know, it's, it, it's just, like, it's insanity. Or, or even getting the best out of a 35-year-old James Milner. Like... Yeah, utilizing real. him in the correct way like it just I mean okay say what you want this season they haven't been at their best fine but like it just it's it's almost biblical the resurrection that that club has has undergone and even you can even say like when it's time for him to leave he will leave because he showed that at Dortmund like that's the season that they were having such a poor time of things and like it sort of became the, like, you know, in modern football, there's that kind of staleness period that occurs. Klopp just walked away from Dortmund, like, mutually, as in he knew it was his time. I mean, they won the Bundesliga under him, which is something they haven't done in a bajillion years. And he, he walked away after his time was done. And I... <laughs> it's I, I struggle to find any faults in him, actually. Like... yeah. It's very hard. I think it's, uh, I think it's telling that, you know, recently, we haven't mentioned this on the podcast yet because it's, it's pretty recent news, but it's come out that Pep is apparently going to sign a new deal and stay, which yeah. everyone, everyone thought he was going to leave. And I think, the, I think the biggest part of him deciding to stay, if that is true, is absolutely Klopp. Yeah. Because I think he has finally found a rival that he just wants to beat really bad because <laughs> Klopp is outperforming him in every way. Yeah. And uh, I think, you know, when a manager like Pep, obviously we all, we talk crap about him, but, you know, he's very, I mean, he wins, he's won trophies everywhere he is, basically. Yeah. Um, obviously, he always has money to work with, but, you know, for him to recognize him as probably somebody who he wants to beat because they are better than him, you know, I'm sure he doesn't sit there and be like, uh, them winning was a fluke, you know, we won, like, Absolutely not. I mean, obviously, their point total was absurd. Yeah. But, um, you know, I think it is no doubt to anybody that Klopp is currently the best manager in the world. Yeah, 100%. I, I, th- you, I mean, you'd have to be daft to, to argue otherwise, I think. Um, I mean, not to mention, he did, he literally did the unthinkable and won the Premier League with Liverpool. Like, that is the thing that was not supposed to happen ever. And it By happened. a lot. Yeah. Like, he basically won it in January. Yeah. And 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 he set a record point. to Like, if City hadn't had a f- two freak seasons in a row, he would have won it before. 
Like, 97 points not winning the Premier League is a joke. Yeah. Like, so it's, it. I mean, yeah, he just, like I said, there's not, I mean, the dude even has, like, the most perfect teeth I've ever seen. Like, I know they're fake, or they're, like, you know, he paid to have them, like, done like that or whatever, but still, I mean, there's nothing wrong with the man. It's just, like, I don't know. It, it's what you dream of your manager being, really. Like, it, and like I said, I want, I want to dislike him so much because, you know, he's, he wiped the floor with the Premier League, which made it almost boring last season. Like, and he beat Spurs in the Champions League final, which would have been like the greatest memory of my life. But still, I don't dislike him. There's not a shred of me that dislikes him. It has taken their entire team getting injured and or having COVID for the Premier League to be competitive this year. And even then, they're still, what, third? Like, yeah. or fourth? So, I mean, it's... And it's still their title to lose. Like, it really is. And it's just... It's just insanity is what it is. Um, honestly, we could probably do a whole podcast um, just waxing about Klopp. Um, but, you know, to spare to spare your ears, I suppose, we, <laughs> we should more than likely wrap it up soonish. Um... But well, I mean, this has been a, a, a pretty enjoyable thought experiment, I would say. It's been, it's yeah. been good to observe. And, um, you know, despite us not having much exciting to talk about in the international break, uh, we've managed to, to pilfer um, some enjoyment out of it. So we'll be back with a bang next and week. And now there's not going to be another break until, like, May, right? God or bless March. America, honestly. Uh, yeah, if... Thank God. That's all I have to say. <laughs> and this is going to be a busy old period, too, because we're going to have lots of matches to watch because as soon as we get back from this international break, it's Premier League is back, Europa League group stages and Champions League group stages are finishing. Um, then right after that, it's the Christmas period. And then after that, we're going to come out of the Christmas period and it's going to be the round of 32 in the round of 16. Uh, and then the cup competitions are going to come back. Um, so it's all cracking off as soon as we get back from this international break. So it's an exciting time for us. It feels like we're on the the like crest of a roller coaster and we're about to come flying down, particularly as this Premier League season unfolds in its very uh, mysterious way. So, well, gentlemen, thank you for uh, contributing two hours and nine minutes of your time. Um, <laughs> it has been very enjoyable as always. And um, yeah, Reese, thank you for joining. Yeah. And uh, Ethan, I love you, sir. I love you too, man. Absolutely enjoyed that pod. Cheers. I love you as well, Reese. I'm not excluding you. <laughs> I just <laughs> decided. You. Yeah, I just decided to just I just decided to shape it up a little differently. Um, and of course, we love you, the listener, uh, for sticking with us for this long. And if you um, would like to contribute your own list, uh, tweet us at SlapcastPL and get involved in the conversation. There will be a poll discussing whether Reese is a weird ass. Um, <laughs> so stay tuned for that. And um, yeah, other than that, I think I think that'll wrap up the show for us. So we love you all, and thanks for listening, and it's a goodbye from us. 